Welcome to Talking Giants, boys and girls, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennant. Got a good amount to get to today. We got Sam Beal opt out. Our favorite defensive undrafted free agent, Dominique Ross, has been cut with some pressers. And then most importantly, we finally got the guy on the show. Arch Stapleton came on, talked with us for about 30 minutes. Um, and he actually talked about some Sam Beal stuff before we knew the Sam Beal news. So how about that? <laughs> and some Ben McAdoo stories. I mean, there's some teasers for you to listen to that interview. Justin, what's going on, my man? Yeah, uh, first of all, thank you to Art Stapleton for coming on the show. Very busy man. We've been trying to get him on for a little bit, a little while and kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing, and it was absolutely awesome. It was actually interesting because I texted Snacks right after the interview. I was like, we just interviewed Art, and he asked me, like, oh, what did you talk about? And then I, I couldn't even, like, think of specifically what we talked about because there was just so many little tidbits that Art gave here and there about being in an NFL locker room, some Eli stories. Uh, <laughs> the funniest story that he probably told was the Sam Beal story at the end. Uh, I won't give it – I won't fully give it away, but that was before that we knew the Sam Beal news. I think it broke later that, that evening that we recorded. Like an hour later. But very, very fun. Very, very, very fun interview. I'm excited for all of you to hear it. Right on, right on. Uh, this episode was brought to you by one Patreon. The number's starting to slow down now that we're getting rolling, but it is what it is. Um, it's Alex Keller. Justin, I actually know Alex Keller. He was my college football teammate in Minnesota. We played an offensive line together. We were rooms, roomies together. We literally got kicked out of our dorm together. Alex Keller, what's going on, my brother? Well, thank you, Alex. Uh, if you want to join Alex Keller, Bobby's uh, and get kicked in out of a dorm, just DM me, and we'll figure <laughs> out a time and place. But also, if you want to become a Patreon member, it's patreon.com backslash Talking Giants. For $2 a month, you can get access to live shows as we record them. Eventually, once the season starts and once football comes, you will be with us, hanging out, watching as we react after Giants games. You also get looks at exclusive like blogs that, I, that we publish. I published a Saquon Barkley blog and deep dive study um today on thursday which is funny justin because when you when we you were editing that you're like i don't know if i should put this in you know people are gonna think i'm hating on saquon barkley and the people who like saquon barkley love the blog and the people who are like associated with every time they see saquon barkley they like their their brain breaks they're the ones who hated it so how about that well, I put out that blog on Wednesday for our patrons. They got a whole day early access, uh, so that's also another perk. We also do monthly giveaways at the end of the month for Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Talking Giants. But, Bobby, about that blog, it's one of those things, and this is why I don't get bothered by it. I know certain people that are getting bothered by it, and they're getting bothered by the headline. They're getting bothered by 75% of what that of what that blog and what that article says. And then they're not reading the extra 25%. So if they're getting mad because they're not reading, that's not my problem. And I have zero issue with it. People that are bothered by it clearly didn't read it. Yeah. Moral of the story. I won't say anything about them because I did. And we had to delete our live stream because I forgot we were legitimately live streaming. And I would have got myself in trouble 
and it'd been like cancel Bobby. All right, let's let's move on before we get to our stable team. We got some news, Justin. Sam Beal opts out. Now we talked about him a little bit on Darnay Holmes PPP, but let's go into it full. This was surprising for a guy who's battling for maybe his only shot ever at getting a starting spot, and this really hampers him. Like they'll bring him back in the camp next year, but this puts him behind a, a team of young corners. This puts him behind. I was really surprised by this. I'm sure he like well, it's always a valid reason to opt out in a pandemic, but I'm sure it's more than he just didn't want to do it. I'm sure there's something that we didn't know, like Tredavious White, the Bills corner. People were getting mad at him, and he's like, "My grandfather died of this," like, and I have a young kid, so yeah. I'm sure there's something there that doesn't meet the eye, but that doesn't stop people from getting mad. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to go into, you know, the why he went opted out, but let's talk about what we do now. Now that he is opted out, Justin, me and you were never like put Sam B on the starting lineup anyways. It is, it does make things a little difficult because then it's like, okay, are you going to rush Darnay Holmes? You put Julian Love here. Here's where I stand on it. I know we've had this conversation before. I trust Julian Love to be a good outside corner. I think he could be a good outside corner because he showed that at Notre Dame. That being said, I think he can be an awesome nickel corner. And when you have a team with McKinney and Peppers, then you can do some different types of things where you're moving them around the field and you're you're disguising things. And you saw him have some impact in the run game. It's a lot easier to do that from the nickel spot. So that's why I would go Julian Love at nickel. Just let, like, it's we're going to have a weak spot there no matter what. So let Julian Love play nickel. And then I would say Corey Ballantyne on the outside. And then that gives Darnay Holmes some time before we're forcing him on the field. But with that, that also is like, whoa, then when, what is Darnay Holmes like plan to ever get on the field too? So it's, it's, it's a weak spot on the, on this roster. So there's really no like great answer to it. Yeah. Matthew Johnson in our Patreon chat said no judging for Sam for opting out, but he, ha- but has he seen the field at all since the giants got him? And it's been barely. And Bobby, you already touched on that. And it was actually a couple episodes ago where I was like, guys that are on the bottom end of the roster, which Sam Beal arguably was, bottom end of the roster, these guys aren't going to opt out because they're going to want to prove themselves. But granted, we are not. We don't know the background of Sam Beal. Like Bobby said, I think you already said that kind of nice. You said that kind of perfectly. But for the alternatives and what's left, it's just we were heading into this year thinking that cornerback depth would have been a good thing for us. Maybe not. We wouldn't have had awesome corners where we would have had a a top-fledged unit in the National Football League, but at least the depth would have been there if cornerback two number goes down, cornerback three number goes down. You would have we would have not felt lost. I think James Bradbury would be the only exception where if he were to go down, you would feel like the unit is lost. But now that it's Baker and we're losing Baker, now that we're losing Beal, uh, it absolutely stinks. But Bobby, I don't know where I am yet. I don't know if I can give a definitive answer because I've been on both sides of the spectrum by saying, I don't know if I trust Corey Ballantyne at cornerback number two. Again, we're relying on a second year six round pick that really makes me nervous. So Julian Love playing a boundary outside corner at college and was pretty successful doing that. Let's just let him do that. But also I do feel that Julian Love is more versatile when he is a nickel corner. And then you were talking about alternating roles between McKinney, Peppers, and Love. It and it's and it's already the points that you already made. 
I just don't know in my brain how I'm weighing. Do I want there to be a glaring weakness at cornerback two, or do I want there to be a kind of a glaring weakness at slot corner and put Darnay Holmes in an uncomfortable situation? Because somebody is going to have to be put in that uncomfortable situation. I just don't know who yet. Yeah, I think Holmes would struggle to start, not to say he won't be a good player. I mean, we talked about we talked about him at length on, on the PPP that came out yesterday of what we think of him. Like, you look at him against uh, Hollywood Brown, he shuts him down. Then you look at him against Washington State on the outside, and like, okay, that's why that's why he's not going to play outside. So I really am 50-50 with this because I do have more hope for Holmes for Ballantyne. Might be some recency bias. And that way it's like, okay, well then maybe, you know, this time next year we'll ha- we'll feel good about those three guys. Um, but it's 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 a tough it's a tough situation. This is one where, you know, I have strong opinions of where this guy should play, this guy should play. This cornerback, I just don't I don't have like any conviction when I say like no. who plays cornerback two and nickel. I don't either. I don't I, I have I have zero conviction. You know, I I, I always <laughs> I I like to say this. I even said this last year about this Giants coaching staff with Betcher and Shermer about why Julian Love was on the bench. Well, clearly they're in the building. We're not in the building. They're evaluating these guys every day, and they're not idiots. No matter what you think about James they Betcher played and Pat Shermer. earlier though. Yeah, yeah, and, and that – so even though I, I try to give the benefit of the doubt and say NFL coaches aren't idiots, well, they showed last year that Love was criminally benched, and then when he came on the field, he was like low-key a stud, and he played in multiple spots. He played in strong safety and free safety, and that really came out of left field compared to what he was doing in training camp. So, Bobby, I'm still going to go with the point. It's a new coaching staff. These guys aren't idiots. They're going to see the guys day in and day out, and they're going to make the best decision for the team. And I usually hate to have that you, take. I'm going to hold you to that later in the show. <laughs> yeah, please. No, please don't. And I hate to have that take because I don't like to be a person who talks about the Giants and just be like, oh, well, let's, let's just wait and see. And I'm not going to have any take. But this is we just one of those We should do an episode where... like that next offseason, Justin, because you know how people like anytime we have a if if someone disagrees with our opinion, they'll be like, well, let the coaching staff figure it out. What do you think? You Why do you think, you know, we should do one like prank episode next year. Where we go through everything and be like, honestly, I don't know. I think we should just let the coaches figure out, and we'll do the whole episode like that. Do you, do you know how boring our show? And it our would be Twitter funny though if we our- warned our listeners, like, hey, this is coming, and being like, and we'll we just give like a, a super clickbaity headline, be like the most controversial Giants podcast you'll ever listen to. You don't want to miss miss this. But then that's the thing we turn off like potential new listeners, so can't do it. Yeah, it, it'd be funny though. Do you know, but. But really, I, I I understand, and I know this isn't always coming out of malice when people reply online, well, let's just wait and see. Or how do you know? Uh, I don't know. But do you know how boring our page would be if we just sat here with our hands under our legs for the entire offseason and just didn't talk or speculate about anything? The, the show would be so boring. Oh, let's just wait. Let's just wait and see until it happens. Let's just, no, you don't you don't do that. That's not what we're here to do. So any, anyway, anyway, Sam, Sam Beal opting out. Uh, good personal decision for him. Puts the Giants in a tough spot. Excited to see how it all is going to play out. Uh, Bobby, do you have any other last words on this cornerback two situation? Yes. Go listen to go listen to Darnay Holmes's PPP because I feel like the same conversation applies there. We did. So. It did. Um, the good thing is, yeah. is for our PPPs, we forgot to put Sam Beal. So we were literally waiting for someone to get hurt or opt out, and then we were going to slide Sam Beal in that role. And, well, um, 
We don't have to do that. Sam Beal took care of it himself. No. So we don't have to change our schedule at all. The only time we've had to change our schedule. So two weeks in the camp, and we've only had to change our schedule. We had the sub Cam Fleming in for Nate Solder. And, oh, we also changed uh, Shane Lemieux for Cody Core. So that uh, that was a little domino effect. So you'll be, you'll be seeing those soon, Justin. So that's that. Other news. Uh, let's go pressers real quick, and then we can talk Dominic Ross. Uh, yes, I have I have some thoughts on I don't have thoughts about what they said. I just have thoughts of well, let's go person my by person. Brain. Joe judged. The yes. only thing I took away from that was the Gates thing. And you know sometimes when it's not a for sure thing, but the beat reporters kind of like give their like takes on it. I think Nick Gates mm-hmm. is going to play center. Because he was asked about that and people that we trust like hey, they they think he's going to play center. I'm pretty sure Nick Gates is going to play center. I'm yes. just reading the tea leaves. I, th- I think he's going to play center. That's that's the only thing I got from Joe Judge's presser. Bobby, I think we got to wait and see for the coaching staff to decide what they see. want. I, I'm, I, I literally am. With Gates, I'm like, hey, start <laughs> just as long as he starts, center or right tackle. Now, if Nate Sawyer didn't opt out, then I would be not playing the wait and see game. I'd be like, Nick Gates has to start. Um, with Daniel Jones, uh, he gained 229 pounds. That's the big storyline with that. He gained... He gained right. 229 you pounds? You shut up, all right? You know what I meant. <laughs> uh, no, he gained nine pounds, and so he's up to 229 pounds. So my man is ready. Danny Dumbbells is what they're calling him. Oh, that's that's what they're calling him now? Should we put that on a shirt? I mean, I know we kind of have like free will with shirts now where you don't have to like overthink Wait. them. Yes. We, we might we might do it. Maybe we'll like put as Metsy as it getsy on it. I don't know. Just, Something just like puts, that. Just puts, no, as Jetsy as it getsy. As Jetsy um, as it getsy. And you got anything on DJ? Well, all right. Well, here I have something on Daniel Jones. So there's nothing related to what he actually said. But the topic of conversation on Twitter these last two weeks has been Daniel Jones's arms and his thighs and Saquon Barkley's his thighs. His neck, his back. I won't finish that song because mm. we're a family show. We are, we are a family show, except what you accidentally said pre-show. Yeah, but we deleted good. that, so it never happened. It never happened. Um, but that's been... I don't even know what my whole point is. I think I love that we're talking about it, but I'm also like, come on. What are we doing? Like, can we actually talk about substantial But there's nothing going on, football? so there, that's that's all we have. A, a regular training camp, we'd be talking about something else. Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones' thighs. Though That's been the big story of the week, which I will say, after further looking at the evidence... Daniel Jones has certainly gotten bigger everywhere. Yeah. Wink. That's weird. All right. Um, <laughs> with Dalvin Tomlinson, I actually got a good chuckle, and I even quote tweeted it. Um, he had an all-time third-year, uh, three-year Letterman quote with, I didn't even realize you can opt out because I've been just so uh, deep in my playbook. That That's like that, – that is something that th- uh, three-year Letterman would tweet out. And he actually – I got his attention on it, and he did quote tweet it. I love how I'm gonna, and that's the same thing with Dalvin Thompson. Really, the only thing that's noteworthy, you're so locked into your playbook that you're ignoring the NFL ramifications of a global pandemic. He's not telling the truth. It was just funny. Highly doubt that. Yeah, high, highly, highly doubt. I even think that's one of those things where you know NFL players can play things so close to the chest a lot of the times. That's probably a quote that he said afterwards, and he's probably thinking to himself in, in my in his brain, no. I don't believe this. No, he def- I 100% don't believe this. You think he this. didn't know? Uh, come on. 
Coach uh, <laughs> Coach Letterman quote tweeted with Dalvin Cook purchased multiple water beds without financing and has a giant gigantic DVD collection. And then when he realized it was Dalvin Thompson, he said, "I deeply apologize for confusing Dalvin Thompson with someone with no SEC experience." So, mm. um, give mm. me credit for that. I don't know. Some people like hate like accounts like Coach Letterman. I don't love him, but I think he gets he gets me good, especially when he goes on with like talking about foreign politics. He cracks me up. Like how people mad people get mad about that. Credit Bobby Skinner, just like credit Jake Storielli. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and then Blake Martinez says he wants to be the rock of the defense. Seems to be taking a leadership role. Yeah, that's fun. Um, my big thing about Blake Martinez is if you're if you're a Yankee fan, if you're a talking Yanks listener, you know that Tyler Wade is the designated good-looking dude on the team. Like, he's just the good-looking guy. You know, he, he struts and he's got swagger. Uh, they even, you know, I think it was, uh, they were, we were in Baltimore, and he was doing this thing with this hair for like 20 seconds straight. So Tyler Wade is the designated good-looking dude on, on the Yankees. I'm officially giving Blake Martinez that title as well. He's just a good-looking dude, good-looking man. I referenced it briefly in his PPP, but I want to officially give him that title 2020 Giants uh, honorary good-looking dude. He even did this thing. If you listen, if you look at the start of that YouTube interview, and if you look at the start of that Zoom interview, whatever they did, um, Blake Martinez starts the interview before he starts talking, waving his hair, fixed the hair a little bit. So, congratulations, Blake Martinez. Uh, maybe we'll make that a shirt too. I only one person would buy it. That that would be yeah. Me. We're not making that one a shirt. I'll give you that. I will say him and Joe Judge refer to Patrick Graham as Pat, and every single time I have a Pat Shermer flashback, like I just Pat Shermer just shows up in my head. I mean, I don't hate Shermer as some as other people, but it definitely does. You're still you're still salty that he was let go. Not really. I mean, I love Joe Judge. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. But I do get the flashback every time. Um, so yeah, that's it for pressers. I have one other thing. All right, go for it. This training camp is going to be very cringe, and I really hope the beat reporter. Now, this is a tough. This is a tough situation to be in, and Art Stapleton is going to give context as to why it's a tough situation to be in when you're talking with people that, especially first year players like Blake Martinez, that you don't know. He's going to give good context as to that, but the awkward interview questions of how are things different. Like, uh, somebody even asked Blake Martinez, what do you do when you get home at night? Like, do you just order food? Do you just, like, play video games? What are we doing? Is this really, like, the time that we're living in that we need to ask? What do you do when you get home? So I hope beat reporters get creative. Um, It's a tough situation. But I also realized, as I had that thought of how this is so awkward, my first question to Art Stapleton is going to be, how are things different different for you? Yeah. So that's ironic. Throwing stones from a, uh, a glass house. Justin Panic. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, Dexter Lawrence got a Giants tattoo. I put that in the notes, but we don't really talk about that. And then Dominique Ross, who was probably oh. both of our, our favorite defensive undrafted free agent. I mean, I thought he was better than TJ Brunson, who was a seventh-round draft pick. Um, mm-hmm. Gets put on waivers. Listen, I wasn't expecting him to make the roster because – because of the addition of Marcus Golden, and you have Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, Tay Crowder, but it stinks that with this new th- like it, it stinks that he was the 80th guy to get you know the 80th guy on the roster. I get that you know it's a deep position, but I would have loved to see him stay around, and I, I'll be keeping an eye on him and rooting for success wherever he goes, as long as it's not within the division or Cleveland. I'm upset, very upset. I had him on my final 53. Trust the coaches. That's how confident I was. 
Um, they're in the building. It's actually what was that? Trust the coaches. They're the ones in the building. Oh, you shut it. I'm very upset. I'm devastated. You know what's funny and why we have such a good talking Giants community? I had multiple people reach out to me and tag me in something. And they said, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not okay. And I was able to share my genuine, authentic feelings of not being okay. And people understood. So I want to thank everybody, but it did get to a point where I tweeted out, thank you for your support, thank you for your words, and thank you for checking in on me, but you no longer need to be tagging me in posts that Dominique Ross got cut, I am very aware. <laughs> so, Just, you have a nice little talking Giants community. Honestly, man, if you ask me to look at him and Cam Brown, Cam Brown has like some better athletic ability, but I thought Ross played that position, they played a very similar position, uh, better than Cam Brown did. I get Big Ten is a little more difficult than ACC, but I, I like what I saw out of Dominique Ross, um, and I definitely like what I saw out of his teammate, Chaz Surratt, who I'm hoping we draft next mm. season. Um, but it is what it is. You know, we liked him, but we like, no, I don't think either one of us expected him to like be a superstar. It's just we out of the undrafted free agents, we really liked him on defense. Uh, it just sucks he was at a position that wasn't of need, uh, or he was, he was low down on that depth chart. That does mean we will pick somebody up, though. Um, you'll probably know by the time you're listening to this, so we're not going to speculate. But maybe there's a free agent corner they're going out and getting, and you, you'll uh, you'll know who it is by the time you're listening to this. It's not it's not Darqueezy Denard. He is on a football team. Yeah, blame the website that doesn't update their free agent list. Um, so I think that's it before we uh, we kick it to Art, right? That's it. All right. I have nothing. It's, it's not it. You want to know why, Justin? No. Because DraftKings has brought their expertise to lo- legal sports betting. It's a legitimate sports book based right here in the U.S. of A. So you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. New users get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. You can head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including player props, live betting, and so much more. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, don't forget about the DraftKings Fancy app for this week's uh, this weekend's golf tournament, NBA games. I'm I'm in this NBA. By the way, on Talking Sports, we've been doing the picks every morning of the games. I am eight and zero in the first uh, game of the day. So. Bet the first game of the day on me, and then fade the rest. I have five, I'm like five and twenty six in the other picks. So they're offering, fade Bobby Skinner. Yeah, so they're getting a, offering a share of a million dollars. Download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use code JOHNBOY when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign up bonus up to a thousand dollars. That's right, DraftKings sportsbook has a sign up bonus up to a thousand dollars. Just enter code JOHNBOY when you sign up. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus compromise of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times. Playthrough restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Here's our Stapleton. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We now welcome on. We've got a slew of interviews coming for training camp, but we're getting, we're starting it off with someone who's on the show for the first time. 
writer for North Jersey, USA Today. He's been covering the Giants for a long time. Art Stapleton, what's going on, Art? Glad to finally get you on. What's up, Bobby? How are you? And good to be here. And hey, anytime. I know we've been trying to do this for months and months, so I'm glad we finally, in the middle of a pandemic, we were finally (laughs) able to wedge some time in the schedule to get this done. I know, man. I know. I know it's a grind. And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to talk about it because it's it's different for you this year. But this is something I've actually been wondering, Art, and I don't know how long of a tradition this is, but it seems to me since I've been following you that you change your profile picture every year with the new rookie first-round pick. How are you going to get that picture with Andrew Thomas? Are you going to have to set up like a Zoom call or something where he's wearing wearing something? You know what? That's funny you say that because I, I, I had changed it every year, but it wasn't intentional to go with just the first-round pick. Um, but when I think about it, yeah, I have probably going back to, to Odell when Odell was a rookie here. I just happened to being interviews and – we always had the good fortune of having a photographer out there at practice that would always, you know, take pictures whenever you're doing interviews. But it's a good question. Got to figure out how we're going to get close to Andrew Thomas. Maybe on a Zoom call, we can get a kind of one-on-one and we'll be one on top of the other. But Yeah, make sure he's wearing his practice jersey or something. Yeah, I might have to settle for – we got a shot of uh, back at the Combine. I'm in kind of a scrum with Joe Judge, so maybe – the rookie head coach might have to replace this one, but I really like Daniel Jones one. So I don't know. Franchise quarterback, you might have to just stick with it and go with it. Yeah. I noticed yeah. this year because last year was my first year in it. Um, I was like, man, it's like, this is going good. And then you realize that, you know, obviously we've grown a little bit, but it's like, man, a rookie QB really changes the buzz around an off season, man, where it was, it was just nonstop. And now it's like, okay, he's here. We've seen a little bit of what he could do. Um, and, and it goes forward. And it's strange. I mean, you know, you talk about going back to January and I've, I've spent a couple months and obviously the pandemic kind of changed the schedule of things. But in the spring, I was working on a story just on the emergence of Daniel Jones as a leader. And it was really right in the midst of when uh, Eli came out and said that, you know, he could tell it was probably a little uncomfortable for Daniel and vice versa. Daniel agreed to it. Um, but I still have a lot of those interviews. I talked to a lot of people at Duke about Daniel's uh, progression from a redshirt freshman to how he kind of took over that program. Um, so that'll be coming out within the next couple of weeks. But it's just interesting when it comes to Daniel and how he's kind of spread his ring, his wings. Uh, Eli had the rings and now Daniel spreads the wings. And I think um, <laughs> that's kind of where we're at with this team. So it'll be very interesting to see going into year two, like you said. So I'll ask I'll ask a question I had planned for later since we got into the Jones stuff. What's it like? I know you dealt with Eli. What's it like knowing that you're never going to get a real quote out of the franchise QB going forward? Like you, you got to talk to his trainer, his coach, or his you know Dexter Lawrence or something. You're never going to get like that good quote from Daniel Jones. Well, you know what? I mean, I think people people thought Eli was a bad quote. I mean, when Eli wanted to give you a quote, he gave you a quote. Uh, mm-hmm. But back to, you know, even before my time on the beat, 2007, when he wanted to send a message to Tiki Barber, he sent the message to Tiki Barber. You know, if Eli wants to send a message, I think just in recent years, you know, the summer we were in Detroit when they had the joint practices with Pat Shermer and Matt Patricia, when Eli made the, the comment about Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, almost, I think it was the who comment. Yeah. Like, who? A sniffly um, I mean, who. So, 
So I think Daniel, as this progresses, I think Daniel will get a little bit more confident in, in his job and what he has to do. Um, so I'm still holding out. I see the sign behind your head, hope. I'm still holding out hope that Daniel Jones won't be as buttoned up as maybe people think he is. Yeah. I love it. I love that line. I, I, I kind of want to put that on a shirt. Eli has the ring, the rings and Daniel Jones is going to spread his wings. I want to put, I want to put that on a shirt. You got to, that, that's got to be the title of an article. You got to put that on Twitter, something art, <laughs> but I want to thank you for being, I want to thank you for being here, uh, especially bringing uh, your, your years of experience, you know, uh, that you've just been with the giants through multiple regimes. It's pretty cool to have you on. So thank you very much. I kind of want to give you the floor with an open-ended question as a reporter and someone who does have a lot of experience doing this. How strange and, and unusual has this offseason been for you? We all know the team has had to make adjustments. They even just put out a really good 13-minute YouTube video about some of the things that they're doing differently. But what kind of adjustments have you had to make continuing to report on the team this offseason? Well, this is my office. <laughs> I, mean, I don't go anywhere right now. Uh, you know, it's funny because you go back to the combine, and the combine is usually the place where in the offseason you – I don't want to say bond, but you build relationships with coaches, with people on the, in the organization, uh, and you find out – you know, you get, the, get to see them. Maybe at, you, know, you run into them after some of the workouts and that kind of thing, and you start to build relationships. Well, when we were at the Combine in February, even though it was still out there, no one was talking about COVID-19. No one could have thought that we'd be in this situation. So when I came out of the Combine, you're looking forward to free agency. You're looking forward to getting into minicamp. You know, when the rookie class comes in, you, you know, like, like you said about – you know, bonding with the rookies. I mean, as a young beat writer, and now I'm kind of viewed as one of the veteran beat writers, but that's kind of where you make your, make your hay as far as committing to relationships in the building, you meet the rookies. I mean, these guys, these first impressions, you know, you don't have those relationships with these players if they don't, you know, respect you uh, really from jump. And I think if you want to look back, I mean, now I'm going, I know I'm going off on a little tangent, but Odo Beckham Jr.'s relationship in New York, especially with the New York's media and the beat, really goes back to his rookie year and how, you know, in training camp, he was out with the hamstring and there were a lot of people who crushed him, crushed him, said he broke in the hamstring. And at that point, you know, I kind of took the, you know, middle of the road, like, you know, let's get to know this guy. Is this really, is this a, an ego driven guy who's, you know, milking this for attention? Or does he really want to be out on the field? From that moment on, I think I, I was able to build a relationship with somebody who, you know, who would have predicted the catch and all the attention and the ego and the ESPN interview and all the stuff that followed. Um, I go back to his rookie year. So that's kind of what's missing here. You know, Andrew Thomas has seen us on computer screens. You know, mm -hmm. Xavier McKinney sees us on a computer screen on draft night. We haven't spoken to him since. You know, so I think a lot of that, you know, it's like you're covering strangers, but you kind of know them. So you really do have to stress talking to people who know them, getting an idea of who they are. And from a coverage standpoint, I mean, I haven't seen Joe Judge in person since the Combine. That's February. You know, I mean, it's, it's a strange, strange way to cover things. And you know, I spend every day talking to my wife saying, okay, when are we going to get to the facility? 
you know, because you kind of build your summer around being at training camp when you're a beat writer. And right now, I don't think we're going to be at the facility until the earliest August 17th. And that's a long time with a rookie head coach to not be in the building or at least watching things that are going on. So are you, are, are, is there a plan for you guys to be at, at the live practices? I know they're doing some walkthroughs and stuff now, but like when they finally do put those pads on after what is it? The 18 day ramp up period. Are they going to have a plan for you guys to be out there? Yeah. The pro football writers association. And, and we're fortunate, you know, we have the New York giants chapter, uh, Tom rock from newsday is the president. And I happen to be the vice president all 32 teams have their own chapter, but our chapter and the president is actually Bob Glauber, a columnist, NFL columnist for Newsday. So we have the president kind of in our backyard. So we've kind of been at the forefront of trying to push for what can we work out? And the league and the Giants and the PFWA have really been working towards, you know, here are the league parameters and what, we, what can we do within that? So as of right now, uh, the entire beat, all the outlets on the beat will have at least one representative uh, at practice when we get going on August 17th, uh, August 17th, but it may be socially distant. It may be behind the fence. Um, you know, you guys know from seeing in training camp in past <laughs> years, the Giants would always put the blue slots, the slats in the fence. They may take those out for us. There are no bleach but they may take those out for us to be able to stand on the other side of the fence to be able to at least watch practice. Uh, with it not being public, there will be more control of information by all the teams in the NFL. You know, you can't tweet this, you can't do that. Um, but everyone's kind of preaching patience. Um, so that's where we're at. But to answer your question, Bobby, yeah, uh, we're supposed to be out on the field at some point. I don't know what we're gonna see. I don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, but at least right now, I'm preparing to be on site, uh, at least for practice. Uh, but there will be no in-person interviews uh, with the players for the entire season. That is something that came down from the NFLPA. Uh, as far as the coaches or any administrators, that's really at the team's discretion. Right now, the Giants, uh, they believe the remote uh, interviews are working well. So as of right now, they don't have any plans to make Joe Judge uh, or anyone else available in person. So we'll just have to wait and see if that changes. Obviously, that'll all be dictated by circumstances uh, related to COVID-19. You mentioned a couple minutes back, and I think this point is fascinating. And just as a fan, that's not this is not the way that I would think about things. We heard Judge talk about socialization with the players and how that's an emphasis that he's having. But hearing even your point about how, hey, our lack of access is now causing us to not be socialized with the players and establishing those relationships, I found that point to be fascinating. And that's one of the things that I try to look at, and this is what we try to do on this podcast with Bobby and I, is we try to look at what's actually happening in the facility in terms of players' personalities. We look at their Instagram stories, and we talk about their Instagram stories every week on the podcast. Um, so... Even maybe removing us from the COVID world for a second, what is something about an NFL locker room and how it operates, how the guys get along, something along those lines, and how it operates that the average fan doesn't know? Well, it's funny you say that, Justin, because 
I wrote a column that posted on NorthJersey.com this morning, Wednesday, uh, off of Marcus Golden signing his tender and the way that whole thing played out. And I kind of harkened back. I recalled, I went through my notes that I kept from last year, and I found a couple quotes that I got in December at his locker, just kind of interviewing him, not for a story in particular, just kind of wanting to get to know, get to know him, talking about um, – you know, battles he used to have with his older brother who never wanted to admit that he was a better athlete, that kind of thing. Talked about how he quit football uh, his sophomore year in high school. Uh, and then his mom kind of laid the law down and said, you're never going to quit again. Um, and I kind of used that. That interview doesn't take place in these circumstances because I was with Marcus Golden alone. We started reminiscing a little bit. I asked him to go back to high school. You know, you're in a Zoom interview. You know, we're going to have players come on and everyone will get at least one question. At least that's usually the, you know, the plan. And you can't go back with another question for Daniel Jones or even when the rookies get on, you can't say, you know, tell me about, you know, your high school years. And I heard this story about you, you know, Andrew Thomas, I heard the story from his high school coaches that, you know, basically he was thrown out of practice and he was told either you want to be in the band or you want to be the left tackle. You got to choose. And I use that as a lead to my feature on Andrew Thomas back in the spring, but I've never had the chance to talk to Andrew Thomas about it. You're not going to really do that in a Zoom conference, but those kind of, in, you know, instances in the locker room. Now, granted, last year in the Giants locker room was a lot different. You know, you had cornhole, you had a ping pong table. <laughs> so, we were kind of navigating everybody around. I mean, I remember the first couple of days, you know, guys are playing cornhole and we're walking past, you know, the, their, their game. <laughs> I guess I don't even know what you would call for cornhole, but you know, you gotta, you gotta worry about getting hit by a beanbag. You know, that's kind of where it's at, but for everybody who's talking about training camp, and I know we may get into this, think about the coverage that we, we do a ton of coverage across the beat in training camp. But when it comes to September, how much of that coverage really do you look back on in September and say, man, we nailed that, or that was really important. Or, you know, I saw a couple of weeks ago, guys, and not just on the Giants beat, but talking about, uh, you know, really, really stinks. Cause we can't talk. We can't do a big feature on the guy, you know, who's like the 84th guy on the roster about his chances of making the team. Those are all well and good. And don't get me wrong. Those stories are great, but it doesn't really affect our, that that's not what we're losing as far as covering the team. The difference will be felt once the season comes and we are not in the locker room because you can't get a guy to open up about what's going on. You can't read body language. You know, you used to walk in a giants locker room a couple of years ago and you'd have half the offensive line on one side of the room and half the offensive line on the other side of the room. And you look at it and you go, well, maybe they'd be getting along at least a little bit better if they got to the same side and lockered next to each other. I don't know. Might make sense. But in that situation, and I think that's what's funny is that off of that, that's why you had all the stories about Nate Solder convincing the guys to all sit at the same lunch table. I don't know if you remember the, that was a training camp story. Everybody was sitting together in the cafeteria well, because they identified that the locker room was such a problem because guys were just clickish. They were very mm -hmm. clickish and sitting around, you know, and that kind of affected when things went bad. They weren't all kind of sticking together. They were all kind of like, well, you know, you, know, you, you do your thing and I'll do mine. So 
long-winded answer, Justin. I think not being in the locker room, you, you miss that stuff. You know, you, you don't have guys who are snitching. You know, that sometimes it does give that image, the idea that you're in a locker room and, you know, it, it's funny. And a little inside, you know, reporting. You notice whenever it's an anonymous source, anonymous source usually comes from the guy on the practice squad. It's usually the guy who won't put his name to anything. And as a reporter, if you're making it, you know, one unnamed giant, that sounds more damning than saying David Sills said the Giants offense is falling apart. You know what I mean? So in the locker room setting, you're not going to see that stuff. You're not going to see the unnamed giant stuff. So from a fan's perspective, I think that's good in a way because of the way things have just become. Uh, But you know what? We'll miss it, but you, you got to make it work. You got to right. work. And I think ultimately the cream will rise. You've got to build relationships and you've got to be able to find other ways to tell the stories. And if you can't, well, then your coverage is going to suffer. And I hope our coverage doesn't suffer because I'm going to do my best to continue to tell the same stories just in a different way. Yeah. Well, you guys have been doing a good job so far. So you, but you did mention like, uh, clicks and stuff like that and it reminded me of something with Judge and we actually just talked about this you see guys who are under Belichick like McDaniels failed miserably in Denver because he tried to be like that power guy uh, Patricia there's some you know some bad things that come out of him in Detroit Bill O'Brien I mean he be kind of became like the you know the he, he took the heat off Dave Gettleman as like the everyone's uh, media's whipping boy with some of the stuff for him judge he you know he brings that strict stuff but it does i I hope i'm not being a a homer on this but it feels more authentic than with those guys now that being said if things start to go south you know do you see like that like turning against him you know because you can be that kind of guy when you're winning but if they're if they're losing do you see it possibly turning quick i know it's a speculative question well it could turn on you know it could turn on anybody i mean if there's ever a point you know if if the heat starts to rise and Joe judge decides he's going to try to handle things like Bill Belichick or Nick Saban. Well then, you know, he's going to probably realize very quickly that he's not either one of those guys and, and it's not going to work out well for him. I I do think that judge is very cognizant of the fact that he's got to be his own man. And he's been pretty vocal in terms of, you know, even if it's not at a podium talking in circles with reporters and that kind of thing saying, you know, look, everyone's going to make the comparisons to Bill Belichick or Nick Saban. I mean, arguably you're talking about the greatest college football coach of our time and the greatest NFL coach of our time. Um, You know, you can put them at least in the top three, right. Of, of both categories. So uh, if I, you know, and this is in judge mind, judge's mind, if I didn't learn from those guys, if I didn't take things from them, then what kind of coach am I if I didn't learn from them? But I think he also probably learned from missteps of guys, you know, like a, a Romeo Cornell or, you know, the struggles that Matt Patricia had earlier. Like you said, Bill O'Brien, you know, guys who want to be Belichick are going to kind of get into trouble because there's only one Belichick. And I think to this point, Judge has been his own man. Um, and you think about all the things that he's had to deal with as a first year head coach. Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing I, I'm impressed with judge is that I just, you said off, you know, he's authentic. He, when he makes statements, he has a way of 
convincing you that they're his beliefs, that it's not someone else's beliefs. And I'm not even talking about Belichick or, or Saban. You know, look, when you're a rookie head coach, when you're Ben McAdoo, or you're, or you're a coach who's trying to come into a market that left the McAdoo uh, debacle the way that, that ended, and you're Pat Shermer, you could only be handed scripts so often. Now, I'm not <laughs> saying that they were handed scripts for every press conference, but PR certainly, people in the building certainly talk to the coaches about how to handle the media. Joe Judge doesn't need much media coaching. This is who he is. He walked in at his press conference. This is really one of the reasons why he has the job because he walked into the, the interview with John Mara and Dave Gettleman and Kevin Abrams and Steve Tisch the second time when he met with Steve Tisch up in Providence that this is who he was. He talked off the top of his head and he said, this is who I am. Every press conference you go in with Joe Judge, and we had another Zoom um, today, is that you just have that feeling that this is what he believes. Like, no one had to convince him that he needed to say this. And I think that authenticity, like you mentioned that, works in a big group uh, with the team. There's a reason why, you know, I talked to Chris Hogan, I've talked to the McCordys about Joe Judge and his time in New England, and they all said, look, this is ended the room. Now, the one difference now is that when Joe Judge, as head coach, when he needs to sit face-to-face with a guy, how does he handle that guy? How does he adjust? Does he adjust his message? But right now, I think the authenticity of his message and the consistency certainly helps him along the way. So you're me, telling me Art, that Ben McAdoo was coached up by Pat Hanlon to look like Pat Riley and do and, and pull all, <laughs> push all of his hair? I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, so actually, I talked to Ben McAdoo about that uh, <laughs> at the combine. The funny thing is, is that Ben McAdoo back in the league now, tight ends coach in Jacksonville, and uh, we also had a Jerry Reese sighting at, in the combine in February. So maybe we should have looked at, the, at that as like a sign of what was to come in 2020. That Ben McAdoo <laughs> Reese were at least at the same site again, um, but. I did ask – we asked McAdoo – a couple of the B-Riders were together and we crossed paths with Mac, McAdoo, and it wasn't necessarily an interview, but it certainly wasn't off the record, and said to him, what was the deal with the haircut? Now, the story that McAdoo told was that he showed up at practice one day and whether he had just taken a shower or didn't take a shower, his hair was slicked, kind of a combination of mine and Bobby's right now, you know, and – he said Landon Collins was busting his chops and all the guys kind of got up and, you know, uh, look at coach, like coach slick, coach this, coach that. So McAdoo, for whatever reason, went home and said, you know what? I'm going to get these guys. I'm going to kind of like bond with them. I'm going to make this my new look. Um, and obviously we know it, it backfired on him. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily because of the haircut, but because of how 2017 played out. But Either way, um, that's my Ben McAdoo haircut story at this point that um, I think he thought it was going to have one reaction. It was going to kind of be his way to kind of bond with the players. Um, and obviously when things fell apart off the field, I, I don't think that that helped him out too much publicly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was more of that. And then it was just going back and like, let's pick at every little thing of this guy. Um, I want to finish it off. Uh, I have one question and then Justin will finish with one on the field. 
I've been going back and forth. I love the kid. Nick Gates just got extended. Center or right tackle? Where are you throwing him? You know what? I, I think I think a lot of it has to do with what what they're going to have at center or right tackle. You know, and I've been talking to people. I, I think center will be the spot um, if he can do it, and then they'll put Cam Fleming at right tackle to start the year and try to bring uh, Matt Pert along as quickly as they can. And then if he's ready to take that job from Fleming or if the season gets away and they just look at it and say, we need to get Pert in there and play him at right tackle. But I can't tell you that I think Gates is going to be, you know, an average starter an above average starter at center. Uh, but I think they like him enough where they know they want him to be a piece on this offensive line. You know, I, I've been thinking um, in terms of, you know, can he be a David deal? You know, and, and that's high praise because of what David Deal became with the Giants. But one year, can he play, you know, can he play guard? Then he plays mm-hmm. tackle. Then he plays left tackle. They, you know, I, I don't know if the Giants have that in Gates. But, look, the center position is, is very – I mean, do they really want Spencer Pulley to be in that spot? I don't think he's powerful enough. I, I don't think – I don't think he presents the kind of power that they want on the interior of this line – with Hernandez and Zeitler to his left and right, respectively. Can Pulley do the job in a pinch? Sure. But that's what you want as your reserve. That's why he's on the roster. That's why he gets paid $3 million because he, you want him there as kind of that guy. I think it's a leap to expect Gates without any preseason to put him at center. Can he do it? Well, Judge basically said, look, Mark Colombo is going to put in extra time with Gates and with Shane Lemieux at center, kind of going over the basics of center so that they can build off of a foundation when they get into pads to say, let's, here we go. So I don't think he's going to right tackle. I think Gates in a pinch would go to right tackle. I think he is, his future is on the interior. I heard that last year. That's where his comfort is. He actually said that. He said, look, I'll play anywhere, but I'm more comfortable on the inside. And when you look at what he did at right guard in that one game for Zeitler, uh, I think it was against the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, the block that he had down in the red zone on a Saquon touchdown run was still probably the best offensive lineman block that the Giants have had in several years. Uh, so I think he'll end up at center. I'm not sure if he'll start the season off there. But if, if Nick Gates isn't starting, then the Giants just haven't gotten what they needed out of him. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why they gave him the extension. It's nice to see that they're confident in him. And I think the, the biggest thing that at least that's on top of my brain is that strength and that, you know, the play strength and the power that you're going to be getting, you know, who is going to provide the most play strength and power and be that anchor towards up the middle. So uh, excited to see how that battle is going to play off and play out in camp. But I want to ask you one more question to kind of wrap it up. Uh, who is a player maybe besides the Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepherds, who may get you may get you some clicks, and I can imagine those guys' locker rooms, those guys' lockers are pretty crowded anyway. Who is a player that you really enjoy covering, that you really enjoy talking to, a guy that's just really personable and fun to talk to? It maybe doesn't even have to be maybe a player now, but you can do even a player just that you've been covering since '09. Wow, that's that's an empty. Uh, we got another hour now. Um, <laughs> you know what? I think. Um, as far as current guys go, um, you know, I do enjoy talking to Evan Ingram. I go back a little bit with Jabril Peppers back to his high school days, uh, being in North Jersey and knowing what kind of 
you know, legendary high school star, yep, yep. hyperbole that just, uh, Jabril Peppers was not just in football, but in track. Um, you know, if we want to go back a little bit, always enjoyed talking to Prince of Mukamara, uh, now with the Raiders in Vegas. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy who was always entertaining. You know, everybody thought that Prince was, you know, the guy who got, he was always the guy who got dunked in the cold tub, but, um, he was pretty thoughtful guy. And, um, so he, he was definitely one of the favorites. Um, Evan Ingram is a guy who is enjoyable to talk to. Sterling Shepard um, has always got time for people. Um, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson is an interesting guy to talk to. Dexter Lawrence, an interesting guy to talk to. Uh, just based on when you, when you sit in front of their lockers, you know, when things are going bad, you're not really sure how guys are going to react. I mean, so they were always – the defensive line guys always kind of team up a little bit. You know, when you talk, when you go over to talk to one, they all kind of jump in at the same time. Um, so that would kind of be, I mean, you know, the Victor Cruises of the world, you know, obviously Vic, I mean, I've known him since he's 15 years old because I covered him in high school uh, in New Jersey. So he was always a guy that people kind of, nav- you know, gravitated to. So that would be kind of the, the situation. Sam Beal's a fun guy to talk to, honestly. Okay. Uh, so confident. He's got unbelievable swagger. Um, and he gets himself in trouble because of that sometimes. <laughs> uh, if someone comes over with a reporter, he's willing to say, you know, I'm the best cornerback in the league. He might say that <laughs> makes a headline. So Sam Beal is actually an entertaining guy to talk to. Um, but again, it may go back to your original point, Justin, about the locker room and what's missed. We might not get the chance this year to talk to those guys and get to know them, uh, really know them. You know, someone coming up to you and saying, hey, how's your daughter doing? I mean, mm-hmm. there were guys in that locker room. Um, Daniel Jones is is one of those guys. I mean, you know, last training camp, uh, my daughter every year, uh, she gets to come to training camp on her birthday. It's August 12th. Obviously, the streak is broken this year. Uh, but all the players kind of gravitate her, to her. She's, she's going to be 12, but she uh, – you know, just you got a little girl wearing a shirt saying it's my birthday. Guys gravitate to her. You know, Daniel Jones, and he wasn't even a starter back then, just kind of went up to her, hey, who are you? You know, what's your name? That kind of thing. Um, every time I see Daniel Jones, it's, hey, how's your family? You know what I mean? That, that's when guys make your bond, and that's when you feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm more than a stenographer on this beat. Guys who know who I am. And it's not, you know, I think there's this misconception that, uh, beat writers are, are fans and, you know, it's, it's cool. You know, I was accused of, you know, why do you put players in your avatar on Twitter? You know, what do you want to look more special that you know these guys? It's like, no, that's not about that. It's about the idea of getting to, you know, when they know you and they respect your work, that makes your job better than what you could even make it. So I think that's kind of where we're at in terms of, getting to know these guys. And right now, I'm not sure if we're going to get to know some of these rookies that way until 2021, but I guess we'll figure it out. And to that question, like, do you want them to know you? Like, you'd be like, I would just answer, yeah. Like, that's what my job is, man. <laughs> just hit them with a, yeah, You. that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And the beauty of Eli Manning is that you went years before him knowing it, whether you knew if he knew anybody's name <laughs> covered him every year. That's funny. I called one time. 
he called one time for a story on a, on a recollection of the Super Bowl 42 show, uh, win. And, you know, I answered the phone. He's like, Hey, Art, Eli Manning, how you doing? You know, that's when you realize, Oh, he does know my name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> doing a better job than I think I am. I like it. Well, Art, we appreciate you giving us some of your time. If you're listening, make sure to go subscribe to NorthJersey.com. It's definitely worth it. Art, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Anytime. And uh, we'll see you next training camp, right? <laughs> schedule works out the way it is. I know. I was playing the fly up there, spend a week up there and, and try and do some stuff. But it seems like I'm not going to be getting up there this year. I was, I was going to throw some shots at Baker in the December game. Not, not going to happen this year. <laughs> well, everybody stay healthy and safe. And hopefully we get a season this year and we can move on and kind of get this thing rolling again with Joe Judge at the helm. All right. Thanks, Art. No holds bad. He he took me in the low post and won, but I think we had on the varsity. All right, thanks again to Art Stapleton for coming on. If you're not following him, make sure you do. I read his he posts his articles at like right when I'm drinking my coffee in the morning. And I read them almost every day, so appreciate Art. It's been a long time coming. Pretty funny though that Sam Bill. He's like he's a great quote, like underrated, and <laughs> then literally an hour later, after we record it, uh, Sam Bill opts out. So. Maybe he'll get, maybe he could, I mean, you can still get quotes from the guy. Best cornerback in the league opts out. That's how we should, that's what we should tweet out. The best <laughs> cornerback in the league opted out. That, that was definitely the funniest part of the interview. And it does not get any more funnier that he opted out because this is a serious issue. I was going to say it's even funnier that he opted out, but he's opting out because it's a global pandemic. So I will take back that comment it's that right. I it's said It's okay to in make jokes, Justin. Don't. It's okay to, okay. Um, I mean, I was joking about child labor last episode. You were. All right. Um, I wanted to tweet out the Joe Biden saying, I'm going to say something. I shouldn't. I, I don't know. But then I was like, you know what? If we post anything of Joe Biden or Donald Trump, people just will look at it and get mad. No matter what is saying or if it's a joke, people will think we're trashing Biden. If we make a joke about Trump, and then I will get, say we're I will get mad because everyone else is mad. Yes, exactly. So it just wasn't worth it. The joke wasn't worth it. Thank you, 2020. All right. We'll see you guys next episode uh it'll be next week start off with another ppp hopefully hopefully nothing huge happens so we don't have to do a ppp we'll see you then until then let's go big blue